Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Well, we're in the midst of the holiday season when the dominant theme is peace on earth. As we approach the new year, another dominant theme is new beginnings. But regretfully for many of us, this time of year is anything but peaceful or hopeful preparing for family reunions, straining uh, to get everything ready, perhaps including certain relatives with whom we don't always see eye to eye, the rush of buying presents and preparing for Christmas, Hanukkah, or New Year's Eve, and the mental letdown once the holidays are over, and then the anxiety over all the challenges we'll face upon returning to work and our normal routine in January. Have you ever longed for a little personal peace of mind during your busy, stressful day, not just around the holidays, but throughout the year? And what if you could avoid depression and overcome stress by training your mind to remain in the present one moment at a time rather than regretfully reliving the past or worrying consistently about the future? And my guest, esteemed coach, author, and humanist Roland Griffith, is here to tell us why everyone, including you and me, can overcome negative mental chatter, that often destructive little voice inside that leads to depression, stress, and moodiness. And he's here to describe his systematic approach to break free of old habits, accelerate your mental and physical image, uh, energy, I should say, and find hope and joy. And best of all, you'll discover that his powerful approach is simple to do and will help revise your mental patterns from predominantly negative to positive, one step at a time. And Roland Griffith is a successful entrepreneur, humanist, public speaker, and business leader. Years ago, he owned an auto dealership, and to all appearances was a success, but inner depression led him to the brink of suicide. And subsequently, he found peace of mind, increased personal joy, and after extensive research, has developed his own system to bring others' peace and joy into their lives, the system we'll talk about today, and he's author of the 2015 book, Find Peace One Pop at a Time, and he offers 30-minute and one-hour consults by phone and Skype or in person, working with clients to turn down the volume on their mental mind clutter. And hello, Roland Griffith, and we're indeed honored to have a fellow Midwesterner on our program today. Hello, Roy. How are you? It's uh, boy. What a great introduction! My goodness, I need to have you. Uh, we need to travel together, yeah. so you can introduce me like that and make me feel real fancy every time. Well, I'd like to begin with a remarkable story of recovery, and I must admit I've read a lot of books over the time, but I never heard anything like this. Several years ago, you were on the brink of despair and decided to commit suicide through carbon monoxide poisoning by closing your garage door and turning on the car engine. And after an hour of 45 minutes, you were still alive and failed in your attempt, thank God. So you gave up, shut off the engine, and went out for a haircutting appointment with your barber. 
Exactly. Your life was a success. You owned a car dealer and was recently remarried uh, to your present wife. What in the world drove you to the attempted suicide? Uh, Well, I'll tell you what. It's amazing how fast that happened. Um, It was a dark winter morning, uh, and I just couldn't get the energy to to go to work. I always felt like uh, everybody's looking at the boss, and if I didn't have that spark in my eye, I, I sometimes wouldn't show up very early in the morning. And so I just uh, I just stopped at McDonald's for a cup of coffee and started driving around aimlessly, and uh, just could couldn't find any hope about anything in my life at that particular time. And uh, so it, just in a matter of uh, gosh, thirty thirty minutes, I was looking for places to uh, pull into a garage to try to ended all and um that's what i ended up doing so i guess um, mcdonald's has probably driven a lot of people to suicide (laughs) 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 we better not say that well i can't blame that on mcdonald's but uh, (laughs) uh, but anyway it's just absolutely amazing how how uh for how how strong uh that stream of unconsciousness can can take a hold of you and, and so on and it just about took me down all the way yeah, most of us aren't driven quite that far, but it can certainly lead to misery in uh, middle age. I went through that for years of, uh, you know, constantly regretting the past and just worrying about what the future was going to bring and stuff. But uh, let's turn to the positive. Following your failed suicide attempt, what started you on the road to recovery so that now, as described in your book, I have a sense of freedom from depression and the future is full of possibilities? As you put it, in your life, what made the difference? Well, the amazing thing is um, I started researching depression and moodiness in 1985, and 18 years later, I'm laying in, I wake up in bed one morning and sat straight up, and it was all gone. It was just unbelievable uh, experience that I had. And um, so so at that particular time, I tiptoed down to the bottom of the steps. Connie was down, my wife, downstairs fixing breakfast. I peeked around the corner at her, didn't have to say a word. She come rushing to me, and uh, <laughs> and uh, we've been celebrating ever since. It's just been uh, a fantastic life from that point on since '03. But I, I'll tell you, I went for about a year without a bad mood, which was unbelievable for me to experience such bliss. And, and then after about a year, I started feeling a little moodiness creeping back in and that's when I developed the pop system that uh, turns that mental chatter down and keeps 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 things in good order. Well, you talk about that negative mental cha- uh, chatter in your book's introduction, that little voice inside that so often robs us of peace, positive energy and sense of purpose. Can you tell us a bit about uh, where this negative mental chatter comes from and how it combines regret over the past and worry over the future? And, things that might not even happen, and how that robs us of self-confidence and joy. Sure. The the mind is, I like to call it the dramatizer. It kind of it's it's a um, it has its 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 own function um, that um, is almost like an a, alarm system, alerting system that we have within us that uh, that maybe it was useful back in the days of the lions and tigers and the caves and so on. But today um, there's no no need to to listen to that um, to to uh, you know to carry out through day to day. So. 
the, the longer we listen to it, if it's about the future, it's going to bring about fear and anxiety, stress. And then if it, the longer we listen to anything about the past, it brings up regret, remorse, um, anger, and so on. And uh, it just so ridiculous how much time we spend about worrying about things that then turn out they don't even happen that way. <laughs> Absolutely. Hardly ever. It. Hardly ever. Yeah. Right. Well, studies have shown that uh, individuals' negative thought patterns often were implanted when we were children, and uh, you you point that out. And uh, what was the case with you? I know you go into a little detail on that. I do. In my situation, I, th- I think um, so much of that does start with with most of us at an early age. Some of us are deeper thinkers than others, and I th- I think there's a relationship to um, our own. Per- personal environment in those early uh, toddler years my yeah. situation that i think was uh, had such a dramatic effect on me was my household uh, was a very very strict religious upbringing a lot of hellfire damnation from the cradle in a small little church where i started out and um, so you know a lot of fear about god god to me at that in the early stages of my life uh, was mean I mean that's that was my perception, and um, the thing that was confusing to me. Grow up in your church because I just you know I'd rather think of God as love and forgiving. uh, You know, absolutely, God forgive. Absolutely. Occasionally, I would hear something about. you know, you know uh, unconditional love, and that always yeah. made sense to me. Yeah. But but the rest of it just and so you know it, it caused me a lot of problems as I yeah. I grew up. Well, your book is titled "Find Peace One Pop at a Time." Pray tell us what is a pop, a P-O-P, and how can we focus our minds through a series of them? A pop, uh, a pop is a piece of peace. Oh. P-I-E. C E of P E A C E. It's just a momentary, intentional break of that mental chatter, that that stream of of unconsciousness that goes on, and uh, that that takes us uh, in the wrong directions. And uh, by creating pops intentionally and creating a new habit of doing that, it turns that volume down to where uh, you live with peace and joy. Well, that's, uh, <clears throat> what are some activities we could perform to keep our minds focused on the present to create one of these pops, like right now? Uh, what are some ways that uh, we might be able to do that? Sure. Um, I list those in my book, and, and just, you know, an example or two might be um, uh, if you stop and focus on uh, a spot on your desk or on your shirt or whatever, and you just focus in on it for two or three seconds. Yeah. You at that particular time are not um, ruled by the mind. Um, yeah. Or if you uh, take a look at a tree and the beautiful shape of a tree, and you focus on that for a second or two, or or, or your dog or your cat, and you you take a look at their their eyes and the yeah. and. Uh, Things like that. Look around in a room, and, and not at the objects, but the the air around you, the space around you. Yeah. Things like that are what I call a piece of peace. Yeah. And uh, there's a number of them listed in my book. Yeah, there's like uh, there's eight uh, steps for finding pieces of peace. You've got uh, a list, and uh, I like to talk about a couple other ones. Uh, step four 
is to stop overthinking and being a prisoner of your own mind. And tell us about uh, your highly unique exercise to determine how many seconds in a minute a listener is focusing on the present. I like that and uh, highly recommend that people adopt that. Yeah. I offer an exercise um, to um, for, for the reader to come to recognize how much they actually are in into their mind. And it's a 60-second exercise, and um, it allows you to ca- kind of create a base point at, at that particular time. And there's a little formula in there, and it's a little complicated to talk about it, but it's actually very easy because it's all written out step-by-step step how you do this. And you only do this one time. And that from there on, you have a base point. Um, and, uh, and I think most people will be amazed when they find out how little time they are spending in the present. I know you cite some, like, 3% exactly. or something like that. Exactly. My base point was 3%. Oh, and uh, and that meaning 97% of the time my mind was fluttering in the the past or the uh, the future and so and I think from from my experience with others that's that's almost average so um so from this this point on there's a way that I I have a, a log a daily log that at the end of the day you merely ask yourself what percent do I think I was for today? And, oh and it sounds a little complicated right off the bat, but it's very simple once you get started. And I yeah, say it, it takes as much time as to, to like, less less effort than brushing your teeth once a day. So well, once you get into the hang of it. time away from, at least while you're doing it, it'll take you away from the past and the future. <laughs> right, right. Well, the eighth step in your fine... Uh, pieces of peace is the golf ball theory. What is this theory and please describe how using it uh, can motivate us to keep going even when uh, a medium improvement uh, is not readily apparent. The golf ball theory started like this. Um, I was uh, When I was depressed, I was putting on weight and I would get so uh, discouraged every time I'd weigh myself. I'm either up a pound or two and the next time I'm down a pound or two well, and back and forth up. and so on. And uh, I thought if I could just log out, log my my weigh-ins and break it down to a tenth of a pound average, it would be an easy way to climb. And, and that's what I did. And I actually lost 20 pounds in a fairly fairly short order. So uh, by doing that, and it's a, so it's a tiny step at a time. I applied the same principle on my. Um, POPs method to where you can grow from 3% up to today. I I kind of assume that I run on about 30% in terms of in the present time, which is a tremendous change from 3%. And it's, even if you can double it from 3% to 6%, it's, it's, it's kind of hard for people to to understand this, if you read my book, you can understand it a little easier. But, uh, but in a way, it makes a great difference to uh, just be in the present more and more as you go. Yeah, and, and your book is very easy to understand. I can attest to that. It, uh, let's talk a little but, bit about your outstanding little book, Find Peace One Pop at a Time. Your purpose in writing is abundantly clear in the subtitle to help folks, as you put it, moving from anxiety and pain to joy and hope. But what was your primary motivation in writing this book? What what got you to do that? Well, after I had my breakthrough, it, it's like I wanted to heal the world because I had been on the other side for so long in my life. I, you know, it's just uh, the the difference is just tremendous, and I it I I just hate thinking about the. Uh, 
those that suffer. And so I, I just want to do all I could to help. And uh, so Connie, my wife, is the one that I give all the credit. She continued to to encourage me to write a book. So that's what I did. It's, isn't it so true that to be truly renewed in uh, mind and spirit, you really want to help others? Nobody uh, gets totally renewed and then just goes about uh, enjoying themselves without reaching out to others because that's really part of uh, the joy of life is when you're you're giving. So I would certainly, I can certainly recognize what you're saying. Well, yours is yes. a small book. It's only like 136 pages, but it uh, packs a powerful message. In a few words, how would you describe the book's purpose? Well, the purpose, I, I intentionally kept it short and sweet um, yeah. for that reason, because um, most people can read it in an hour, hour and a half, and yeah. um, and the purpose is to make that kind of impact. I also made it small in size, so, uh, you know, you can carry it around pretty easily and, and so on. So, Yeah, I like small books that pack a powerful message rather than big, fat books that put you to sleep. Right. Well, where's the best place to go to preview and purchase your book? Where should we do that? Well, you can go to my website, which is uh, rolandgriffith.com, R-O-L-A-N-D-G-R-I-F-F-I-T-H.com. And um, you can buy the book. It it, it takes you right to my Amazon page, or you can go directly to Amazon um, and uh, look for Find Peace One Pop at a Time. Yeah. Or my author, the author name, my name, Roland Griffith. Yeah, and, uh, he is fine. But, uh, yeah. Well, you also offer 30-minute and one-hour consults by phone or Skype or in person to help folks uh, turn off that negative mind uh, chatter. Where should listeners go to learn more? And uh, how uh, they go to your website for that, or how do they yeah. contact you to to sign up? Go to my website and. Um, and go to meet Griff. My nickname is Griff, and so uh, there'll be a lot of reference to Griff on my website. So, um, um, yes, you can uh, sure do that. It's uh, pretty easy to sign up for one of those. And uh, immediately, I'll, I'll when, when we do connect, I'll I'll let you know. I don't want to. I don't need to know anything about your history. I don't need anything to know about all your. Life problems. I'm just yeah. primarily a coach as to how to work my system, and and uh, when you, if you get discouraged with it, I like to get you back on track. Yeah, so there's a, a, why reiterate all that past? That that's what you're trying to get away from. So I can certainly right. see what you're saying there. Well, in conclusion, so many of us at middle age feel like our lives are on a downward track. At middle age, our best years are behind us. That's uh, all too often we feel that. And as we grow older, there's so much to worry about. Uh, how will we maintain our health? Uh, what's our retirement going to look like? Uh, you know, will I have enough to do? Will my health maintain? Uh, all these things that uh, may not even occur. But never forget, as my guest Roland Griffith so eloquently described, racing stress and constant worry and becoming happy is an inside job. No one says we have to be miserable as we look forward. And no matter how many years you've suffered, learning to live in the present and enjoying every minute, as Roland points out, is a relatively simple task if you follow that uh, system that is described in his book. And it's a great little system, uh, find peace of mind one pop at a time, and practicing uh, pieces of peace will 
constantly interrupt your flow of negative thinking about the past and the future, and you can string these little pops together, and uh, you'll end up a pretty happy person. I know Roland is, and he's only uh, living in the present 30% of the time. I think how happy we'd all be if we lived in it 50 or even 100% of the time. And uh, the more you become uh, free of the stories, as he calls them, the happier you'll be. And best of success, Roland, in getting your message out there, and Lord knows we need it. Well, thank you. I appreciate it very much. I sure appreciate you having me on today. Uh, we appreciate you joining us, and uh, best of success in the sale of that great little book. Okay, thank you, Roy. Well, during this holiday season, let me ask you a question. Were your offspring, be they small children, preteens, or teenagers, sincerely grateful for the presents that they received? And here's a second question. As a parent, did you express gratitude in front of your family for all the blessings you have received during the holiday season? And I'm not just talking about presents. For example, as a father or mother, you can express gratitude that the whole family was together on Christmas Day. And that's especially important if you have college students or members of the military or something that uh, just get home once a year because it really is special. But, heck, we can be grateful for just about anything, like the beautiful white snow that fell last night or the nice warm sunny weather outside on the holiday. Well, guess what? You may be surprised to learn that gratitude has been shown to increase happiness and promote sound physical and mental health in adults, teenagers, and even small children. And scientific studies have confirmed this link. And, in fact, my next guest, parenting coach Ann Andrew, tells us that a family gratitude habit is the most important ingredient to helping our children grow up with a positive attitude along with unconditional acceptance of the inherent worth of themselves and of every other person they meet. And she's here to suggest ways to initiate this family gratitude habit, not just on Christmas Day or New Year's, but throughout the year. And later on in the program, we'll talk about Anne's keys to proactive parenting. And Anne Andrew, Ph.D., is a parenting coach whose passion is helping parents avoid the heartache of raising troubled children. Born in Leeds, England, and educated in Edinburgh and University of British Columbia, she has a Ph.D. in geology and has over 20 years as a school principal, and she was led to her present coaching and counseling career after her own daughter developed eating disorders and self-harming behaviors as a teenager and young adult. And by the way, Anne's daughter is thriving and happy today. And currently she provides one-on-one coaching, speaks to parental groups, conducts workshops for parents of elementary school-aged children, and is writing a book on the same topic. And hello, Ann Andrew. We are indeed pleased to have you with us today. Happy holidays. Uh, hello, Roy. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for inviting me to this conversation. Happy well, holidays you, to you too. No, thank you. Uh, you tell us as parents that we don't already have, if we don't already have a family gratitude habit, the holiday season would be a great time to start. To begin, please define for us what you mean by a family gratitude habit. Are you suggesting an organized family event, or what, what is that exactly? Um, it can be whatever a family decides that it can be. Nice. Um, gratitude is so good for us. It's free. It's um, very, very effective in so many ways in maintaining a positive attitude. 
Um, And so what I mean by a a gratitude habit is a regular practice of expressing gratitude. Um, That's the way to develop the attitude of gratitude that we want our children and ourselves to have because that's the way we can really experience the most joy in life. And so uh, I'll give you an example of my own personal gratitude habit, which is something that I do when I go out for a walk with my dogs every morning. I find five things that I'm grateful for. Um, And it helps to uh, keep, it's also a mindfulness habit because it keeps me very present and aware of what's happening around me. So you can do it by yourself then as well, well, with the dogs. That's my my own personal one. But I think for families it's wonderful, particularly at Christmas time um, or Thanksgiving or any time there's a family gathering, to go around the table and have everyone express the things that they're grateful for. Um, And have... I, my suggestion is always to have um, an adult go first yeah. and give a very detailed gratitude because that really encourages children to notice um, the wonder of the world and and the kindness of people. Yeah, so, and if you schedule it regularly and have everyone make a contribution, then the kids and we ourselves will be on the lookout for uh, things to be grateful for. <laughs> during the interval between the sessions, so that sounds like a great deal. It is, yes. Well, the family gratitude sessions sound great for parents with small kids, but let's say your offspring are now teenagers. How in the heck do you round up the teenagers in the first place and then get them to periodically perform this family ritual? After all, teens know it all, and mom and dad are members of the Stone Age generation. How are you able to get your teenage daughter to participate that, that's right. That, that could be a challenge, um, but w- my recommendation is always just simply to have a parent demonstrate. So I see. being grateful, expressing my own gratitude to my children is, is the way to go, and eventually they'll, they'll catch on or they'll see that um, I get so much joy out of simply expressing gratitude or being, having a, a gratitude um, attitude, an attitude yeah. of gratitude, yeah. that it's, it's such a... Um, a way of life that is so ver- makes life so meaningful um, and joyful. Yeah. And, and there are so many studies that have linked gratitude to increased happiness. And that's well, in your blog, that, you tell us to prepare to be amazed that these gratitude sessions can reduce whining, increase family cohesion and positivity, and it sounds like a great experiment to try while your kids are off from school between Christmas and New Year's. But let's move on to the broader subject of proactive parenting. And as you describe it in your website, your approach is to teach us parents the power of owning our inherent worth and to raise our children to own theirs. To begin, can you please define for us what does inherent worth mean? Inherent worth means that we have worth no matter what, no matter what we do or we don't do. Our worth never changes. And it's easy to see when a baby's born. We we all come into the world the same way. We all leave it pretty much the same way as well. There's no difference between us fundamentally. Um, now, we, most parents believe that they need to increase their ch- help their children to increase their self-esteem. Yeah. But in general, self-esteem is based on our achievements or on our skill level. 
It or tends at least to our perceived be, achievements. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and, and the problem with that is that it can be easily lost. Yeah. It's variable. Yeah. Inherent worth, on the other hand, is, is a constant, it's, and it's absolute, and everybody has it. And if we could raise our children to understand that their worth is inherent, and that not only their worth is inherent, but everyone else's, yeah, it's that's what I like possible. about it also. It opens you to uh, the compassion and, and the understanding of other people. And, and the, uh, absolutely, and, and it wouldn't be possible for them to bully someone if they understood yeah. that their worth is as inherent as their own. Yes, that's so true. Well, In fact, bullies so tend to believe that they are worthless, and that's why they try and establish their worth by being powerful over someone else. Um, yes, and and so, so if true. they if they really understood that they have inherent worth, um, then you know envy and resentment and jealousy and a lot of things would fall away. Yeah, you mentioned on your website a number of uh, elements of inherent worth. What it leads to uh, someone who is completely aware of his or her inherent wealth and those of others will be. Uh, and name a few of those uh, points you make, like resilient, loving. You know, you have a whole bunch of. Uh, yeah. Um, I think that it, just knowing who we are in truth, this inherently worthy being, makes us definitely um, resilient because we always know that that, that worth is there. It's not yeah. something, you know, if we had a bad day, um, something's gone wrong, somebody's called us a name. We know that that's not who we are. We know that we have inherent worth. Our worth is not established by anything outside of us yeah. or, or, or what other people think of us. Yeah. And so there's tremendous resilience in that. Um, I like the way you tie, we, you tie uh, inherent worth into uh, spirituality and belief in God because obviously the, the Bible says that all were, uh, God created all men and, uh, and women in his image. And uh, but uh, you can say even people that aren't religious also can believe in inherent worth. <laughs> like you point out, we're all born naked into the world with the same possibilities. Yes, yes, and 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 we're also we're all the same atoms and molecules just floating around in space when it really when it boils down to it. So That's true, we're mostly water, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, as a free download on your website, anandrew.com. You offer my essential checklist, 10 ways to help children realize their inherent worth. And we don't have time to go into all 10, but could you please uh, summarize two or three of those items and uh, people can get the rest by going to your website. But, uh. Absolutely. Gratitude is, is one of the, the best ways because when we are feeling grateful, we're in touch with that part of ourselves that is joy and abundance and is inherently worthy. That That's yeah. what we actually feel our inherent worth when we express gratitude. Yeah. That's why I have it as really high on the list. Yeah. Meditation is another really oh, important yeah. thing that we can do with children or mindfulness. Yeah. Um, again, it puts us in touch with that part of ourselves that feels inherently worthy we see that our thoughts are just passing through um so it it, it puts us in control of our thoughts um, how young a child is, uh, how old does a child have to be before they can really understand mindfulness and uh, go into actually, that exercise there are people that work with very young children and mindfulness oh. Oh, it can yeah. be as simple as having them suck on a lifesaver and just savor you know really taste <laughs> 
the flavors yeah, in the mouth that's and, a good, and just be that's really a good aware. way to introduce it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of, of following um, a diagram that has a, a little labyrinth on it, just follow yeah. tracing it with a pen. That's maybe oh, a little yeah. bit older, five, six. Could yeah, do that. You, don't, you don't have to tell them what they're doing, but just have them uh, involved in that kind of exercise. And that yeah, and it helps to increase their attention span yeah. as yeah. well. Um, another really important thing is that really parents are teaching by role modeling always. Yes. They're looking at what we do. Sadly, so that's true. <laughs> if if we sadly. Well, I I think I think it's really really true and it, the thing is that if we believe that everyone has inherent worth, we need yeah. to really show that and that means that if a telemarketer calls at dinner time yeah. or someone knocks on the door collecting something, we have to be <laughs> as respectful to them as we would be to our the members of our own family. You can't hang up on these telemarketers anymore then. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can politely hang up on them <laughs> as long as we just Otherwise, if, if children see us treating someone else with less than respect, they'll wonder mm. about their own inherent worth. That's the, just so, such a sad thing about doubt. prejudice when a, a tiny child sees a person of a different race or ethnic or, you know, a different person, that child is totally accepting, accepting until they hear their parents talking about this other race and running them down or whatever yeah. it may be. It's just such a sad uh, the way That's we teach right. our children That's prejudice. Right. So we, we need to be the, the positive example, the positive role model. And that's why we need to buy the end to the uh, inherent worth on our own before we can teach our kids, really. Absolutely. And and to be honest, most of us don't really believe it. We have to work on um, taming the voices in our heads that tell us that we're not worthy, that we're not good enough, that we're stupid, that we have a lot of negative self-talk that goes against this idea of inherent worth. And, and then in fact, whenever we do that, we uh, we lash out at others and try to pass the blame so that we don't feel so bad about ourselves if we that's right. look down on somebody else or uh, that's point right. out their yep. faults. <laughs> it's such a, yep. it's, a it's, negative it's, it's cycle. We're, we tell ourselves that we're, we're stacked up on a ladder and yeah. uh, we have to climb up the ladder, and but somebody's always higher than we are. And yeah. what I'm trying to do is raise children with the concept that they're part of a circle oh. rather than stacked up on a ladder. Yeah, that's great. Well, on your website, you uh, offer three essential services to those of us seeking guidance to raising happy, mentally healthy, and uh, addiction-free children. Please describe for us the, your three services. I have one-on-one -on -one counseling that's available. I see. I have... I. I I do speaking um, at schools, with, usually with parent groups, oh, um, on how to love your child unconditionally and how to yeah. raise mentally healthy children. And I, I have, well, I have a book that's coming out eventually when I finish yeah. writing it. I'm, I'm almost through my first draft, so it's Ooh, coming good. along. Yeah, and, and you also uh, have workshops. And I, I offer workshops. Actually, the main thing that I do is um, a three-part workshop on uh, how to raise mentally healthy children. Now, do you have a schedule, or do people arrange those on their own, or how, how does that work out? Uh, people can contact me, and I will schedule talks or workshops. Or and, and what's the best counseling. way to get in touch with you? 
the best way uh, through my website, and there my uh, all my contact information is on the website, uh, which is www.anandrew.com, and it's Anne with an E. Yeah, yeah, that's straightforward enough. And, uh, so that's how they can. Yeah, I know I found your. Uh, there's an info at anandrew.com uh, email that you can that's right. uh, get information as well. So, and that's where you can go for that free download. I mentioned 10 Ways to Help Children Realize Their Inherent Worth. And that book that uh, Anne is working on, I love the title of what they didn't teach in prenatal class, How to Raise <laughs> Mentality Healthy, uh, Mentally Healthy, Bullyproof, and Addiction-Free Teens. And uh, there is also a, uh, you can provide your email, and Anne will keep you in touch when the book comes out. And it that on the website as well. Well, in conclusion, I can speak for myself, and I'm certain you can too. It's only when we lose sight of our inherent worth, who we truly are, and the inherent worth of every other individual on this planet, that we are tempted to judge others and ourselves, blame others and ourselves, and live stressful, impoverished lives. And we most certainly don't want this same fate for our children and our teenagers. Acknowledging the truth of our inherent worth and more importantly, owning it is a certain way to a rich and happy life, both for us and for our children, the next generation. And in the words of a recent attendee at one of Ann Andrews' workshops, he said, you distill proactive parenting down to its essence. It's like ordering a lean roast beef sandwich. There was no fat in your message. So I think I, uh, it sounds like a great way to uh, get that lean roast beef sandwich to go to one of uh, Ann Andrews' workshops and you are on to something good this this person said so if you're a parent or even if you're not i highly recommend you explore ann's website annandrew.com and uh, to learn all about inherent worth and how important it is to respecting others along uh, with your offspring if you have them to enjoy every day you're alive to the fullest and thank you so many and ann andrew for uh, your inspiring message and best of success on your new book when it comes out Thank you so much. And as we move through the holiday season, a most happy holidays for all. Thank you so much for joining us today, Anne Andrew. Thank you, Roy. Bye-bye for now. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com.